So thanks so much for posting on Facebook asking for a, a mannequin for me today. I know it, it garnered a lot of questions from a lot of people out there. Yeah, people were really <laughs> thrown off about it. Like, I didn't think it was a weird ask. Like, I thought it was a weird ask, but I was happy that you asked, but not not me. Yeah, but the very first person to comment had one. <laughs> had a mannequin. I know. That's what we, that's what I was talking to her about. And from... then like people were like, oh, what do you need a mannequin for? Like, what else do you like normally need a mannequin for? To film yeah, a people movie. Are like, like, I need a co-star to my podcast, <laughs> and it's going to be a mannequin. Yeah, so today we're interviewing a mannequin. Say hello. She's shy. <laughs> <laughs> it is a she. Um, but no, I I needed a mannequin to... Uh, it's, maybe. It's non-binary. I don't know. Well, I that's what I said. That. Yeah, we're not, I'm not going to assign a gender. Yeah. Um, but it has boobs. So... <laughs> But yeah, I uh, needed a mannequin for this video I wanted to film just like for our oil block shirt. Basically need to put the shirt on something to show that it's oil resistant. And our friend Megan, who we used to work with at the Karcher Group, um, chimed in right away and had one, which I wasn't surprised somehow. Yeah, um, And I talked either. to her and she was like, well, yeah, I just need it if I need to like sell something or, you know, take some pictures or whatever. Well, like, I know people who have Etsy shops. I know people who like so knit. Like I, I feel like I know enough people who are kind of like in that game of, right. of life who probably had a mannequin. Like right. I, I know Amy has one, but I, hers is cloth. So I didn't want to, um, I would like I could have just gone right to her and been like, "Hey, can I borrow your mannequin?" But I was worried because, like I said, hers is kind of like a weird. Well, this is oil resistant shirt, so the mannequin's gonna be totally fine. Well, I don't know. But so anyway, it's funny. I, I went over there after work today and I picked up the mannequin from Megan, and went to her apartment and she was talking to me about it. She got it at from some store that was close closing. Um, they're just you know everything must go type sale. Yeah. Cool. And uh, <laughs> do you have a second one of these? Yeah. Um, and so we were talking about that and, uh, she's asked me, she's like, well, what do you need it for? And I told her, you know, I deal in garments and clothes and stuff like that. So I just needed it for some video and photos. And, uh, she's like, well, it's a she, I was like, well, it's okay. I can just put like an XL or something on there. That's going to look big anyway. So it's not really like, it doesn't have to be a gender by any means. And, uh, so we were talking and I was telling her, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll get this back to you. Hopefully this week I'll, I'll, have the video done and i was like but I, you know now that i have it i might want to take advantage and take a couple of pictures and stuff too but and i said take advantage and it kind of paused i was like <laughs> for work and she started laughing and we were chatting after that and she's like i was like all right well thank you i'll see you later and she's like yeah have fun taking advantage of my mannequin <laughs> so it was kind of fun yeah um because mannequins are always a weird and creepy thing but they're necessary my dad actually thought that we had one at rentware Oh. But we couldn't find one laying around. So, but it wouldn't have been like that surprising that they would have had it. No, no, and it wouldn't have been like a terrible investment to like go on Amazon or somewhere right, yeah, and try exactly. to find one because I could see there being reason to have one for you guys too. So, right, especially if we were at like a trade show or some sort of event or something, and we wanted some sort of yeah. you know thing at the at the display. Um, being in a uniform would be easy, easy as pie to just throw one on a mannequin. So, speaking of trade shows, I know. Um, that you have, we've talked on this podcast a couple times about your, you know, sales meeting planning experience or trade show experience, um, back at Mettler Toledo. Um, but we never, haven't really done too deep of a dive into trade shows because I think those are still very relevant, but it's not something that you and I are involved with on a day-to-day basis or at all, really. <laughs> no, we're definitely not in the digital world. Um, uh, but I know several people and who are still, uh, trade show managers, Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine from college does a lot of trade shows. She works for some kind of company that sells like electric 
components. Boogie, woogie, woogie. Yeah, electric components, boogie, <laughs> like woogie, woogie. Um, and then there's another girl. I actually don't know what company she works for, but she also, like, that's what she really wanted to do. She wanted to be, like, a trade show and events planner. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's doing it now. We used to work together uh, back at Diebold a long time ago. So um, they're still out there. People are still planning trade shows. Usually it's rolled in with some additional marketing or even office duties, um, just depending on where you are and how mm-hmm. big of a company you're with. Um, but yeah, it definitely still still exists. It's still a thing. Yeah. So today's today's episode is all about trade shows. Um, I what I title how how do you trade show was the title of the questions that I sent over to Chelsea before yeah. today. So that will come up with a better name than that. Maybe. It just sounded fun at the time. Maybe not. So back when you were at Mettler Toledo, was this like so? How did you fall into the the trade show world? Um, was it like a title you had? Like you know so, what was? How did you kind of get there? Yeah, so I kind of adopted it um, when I first started. At like when I first went into marketing at Mettler Toledo, I was specifically doing PR. So I worked across all the different business areas, doing press releases and media releases, and and sometimes with that role came trade shows um, because some of the bigger scientific trade shows that we would go to um, or even industrial, we would have a press kit there. Yeah. Um, we'd be announcing new product and they would always have like kind of a press room where you could lay your press kits out. Um, or if you were, like I said, if it was a big enough um, product launch, you would do a press conference and you would have in the scientific world, um, some of the trade shows that we were going to, um, you know, there were a lot of other companies there who were interested in the products that we were selling. So it really started as just doing the PR piece. And then the girl who was currently at the time doing our trade shows and sales meetings, um, went and took a different job within the company. And Mm -hmm. I went to my boss in true Chelsea fashion (laughs) and was like, well, doesn't it make sense because I'm already doing PR and managing press kits. Yeah. That it would make sense. Like, why don't I just take that piece over and I'll do all the trade shows across the business areas because I'm already working across the business areas from a PR standpoint. Um, And then I'll do trade shows and sales meetings as well. Yeah. So... And you just dove into the event planning side yeah. of it, too. Yeah, and I think I was, like, I might have been pregnant at the time with wow. Gus, like, when I made that decision. Because I remember being on maternity leave, and, like, my first big product launch meeting was in Nashville, and I couldn't be there because... Because you're on maternity leave. I was leave. on maternity leave. But I was, like, calling people, like, I was having to orchestrate all of these things on maternity leave because oh, wow. I planned all the stuff leading up to it. Yeah. But, like, and then you were just at gone. that point, like, I knew, like, you know, when you're on maternity leave, like, the first couple weeks, like, your baby just sleeps all day you're just sitting there like waiting for your really? baby to wake up so i don't think eat. most people's babies just sleep all the time yeah like yeah infant babies sleep all the time oh, especially okay. during the day maybe not at night <laughs> oh okay but like infant babies typically sleep a lot so those first few weeks of maternity leave that's why i think it's horrible that women on like not to go on a tangent but you only get six weeks off with your baby because like genuinely the first month that your baby is home with you it's not doing anything except for sleeping mm-hmm. so like right around the time at six or 12 weeks which i took 12 weeks off did you use short-term disability or something no i saved a vacation i'd worked there for a really long time and i think it, it was crossed over the new year as well so like i was able to go into like i had him in september yeah, so, so you just kept it rolling through the holidays. Yeah, I don't remember. I just, I know I took a long time off. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, like right around the time you have to start going back to work is like around the time that your kid starts becoming like a person. A human, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, like shit. smiling and like, you're like, no, shit, I don't want to leave this kid now because it's doing cool shit instead of like just sleeping all day. Yeah. Um, like, but again, my kids were pretty easy babies, so I can't, come, like, I don't think that's necessarily like a, a standard for anyone who's about <laughs> to have a kid to expect. But I do think for the most part, like within the first month or so of your kid's life, it's just sleeping all day long. So definitely not hitting any trade shows no but it, you know it's easy to be on conference <laughs> on, calls on or planning or duty, yeah. yeah so i try to keep these questions kind of broad and just let you kind of roll with it so i you know if we skip over these or it becomes repetitive or something that's fine no so i this my next question here is what are some keys to a successful trade show which i'm sure there are thousands so, so let's start with before the trade show yeah so i kind of um from a planning standpoint obviously the more organized you are, the better success you're going to have. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of details that people don't think about. Like when you're filling out, there's a lot of forms to fill out and a lot of different um, logistics depending what city you're in. So mm-hmm. for example, trade show in New York City or New York in general, you have to use there because of like labor law, like union labor laws, you have to use like their labor union to set up. Like if you want to plug in a, in a um, extension cord, you can't like it you, has to be like the yeah the like labor. one of the union workers has to come and like plug it in for you wow um so just like there's definitely some nuances so you know understanding no and usually, all the trade shows are in like vegas texas and florida where yeah there's like no rules <laughs> it really is too but i mean that's something to t- take into consideration for sure um also like whether or not you're working with in the, depending on the size of your show when i worked at Valor toledo we had a you know at times like a 40 by 60 like you know peninsula or island booth which means like you're off on your own there's not like you know normal trade shows you've got like a 10 by 10 or a 10 by 20 booth and that's just like your stall up an aisle maybe you'll have two stalls like side by side where you can have two tables or mm-hmm. something but it's definitely not like if you think about like two eight foot tables or six foot tables even yeah it's not um, it's not the biggest yeah and it's not that deep either but um, from a planning standpoint, you know, obviously knowing the size of the space that you need for the product that's going to be there. Um, again, knowing those logistics, maybe about what city you're going to and those sorts of things. Usually the paperwork's pretty good about letting you but know. But read the paperwork. Don't yeah. just like sign it yeah, and send and it's it something back. Like, like... <laughs> the trade show world is definitely not a job for a last minute person. Yeah. Like at all, ever. Like mm-hmm. you just can't get to that place in your life where like, oh, I'm just going to let it go and see how how it pans out. Like you have <laughs> here. to, have, like, you know, you're signing this paperwork, you're booking your, if you want a good space at the location at the convention center, like you can't wait until the last minute because all of the good booth space is going to be gone. Yeah. Um, sometimes depending on when you uh, submit your paperwork, whether or not you're a member of an industry organization. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, it's a trade show for this specific industry organization. Oh, we're members of this industry organization. So we can, we have like primary, like first round draft picks mm-hmm. of our space versus like a, maybe an organization that you're not a part of. Right. Um, so before, again, it's thinking about your goals too. Why are you there? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I kind of wrote down as well, because that's something that, when I was at Miller Toledo and even other jobs with the the place that I worked for in New Philly that sold that um, like disaster planning software or mm-hmm. whatever, um, I did trade shows for them as well. But sometimes you'll have, especially in the scientific community, you've got people there who are presenting white papers. You've got people there who are actually there to look for other like partnership opportunities. So maybe like 
you know, you're an OEM or an integrator or something like that, not an OEM, but an integrator, and you want to find an OEM um, to work with, or, um, you know, your sales team is obviously there to sell. So just from the front, so from the before standpoint, I say planning and scheduling is so important. Um, If it's a huge show, like the some of the ones that we had um, at Butler Toledo when we had the huge booth, it was like you just had a crew of people. You had people that you needed to be there beforehand for setup. You had people who were there on the back end for teardown. You had people again, like you had an no, AM shift that, to PM shift. If You'd, that was in New York with the setup and teardown, was that the labor? You no, needed? you still had people like, okay. and there's so much. I mean, there would be days you just wait sitting in the convention hall waiting for like the trucks like so all the trucks especially for like a giant trade show booth you're everything's being semi, trucked in yeah. so it's like you have to wait for your thing to come off of the semi yeah like from the dock and then be brought down to your location so like you're just sitting there sometimes for wow. hours on end mm. and then you're just all thinking thinking about your staff then you're like you have to book hotel rooms yeah. so a lot of times if you have you know a lot of trade shows will give you blocks of hotel rooms um but again but like, making sure everyone's like has a bed to sleep in they're fed making sure that your booth is set up you're making sure the right people are there making sure you have the right goals in mind you know it's, yeah you've got to like i said scheduling making sure your staff is there because it's a long day and i will say something because I've, I've been on both sides of the world i've been working i've worked at trade shows where as the trade show coordinator you're pretty much there all day no matter what yeah in some capacity, whether it was like you're at the booth making sure things are happening right. or whether you're running a PR piece or just running back and forth because, I don't know, the garbage wasn't op- right, yeah. emptied at the right time. <laughs> um, it's just a lot. You're on your feet all day. Yeah. So your sales team is also on their feet all day. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's your job. You're a salesperson. It's freaking hot. It's, it's, yeah, I bet like, it's a lot. It's concrete floor. Like even if so you we're get... getting into the, what are the, the, the yeah. keys to success during the trade show, I guess. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's still a before, like even though oh, you're, you're, okay. you're planning, like you've got padding under your carpet, but those people are staying on their feet all day. And it's I really... Some, I got some anti-fatigue mats. It does. It's a lot to ask. It yeah. really, truly is a lot to ask your staff to stand on a trade show floor all day long oh i bet um it's a lot but during um and even before i guess before like i feel like i'm kind of going into like attracting people to your booth which is the next which is a during yeah yeah um but before even again coming back to your goals setting appointments so if you are there for sales like reaching out to your customers you think might be there or your email list or whoever it is already bringing them so like hey we're going to be at this trade show are you interested in seeing especially if you're kind of like a like a nationwide and you've got like a nationwide sales force and maybe um you know a larger territory where people aren't necessarily able to come out and see your newest products or whatever it is right away Um, but make sure you're making those appointments and getting those things on the front end because Otherwise, you're just kind of standing around all day waiting for people to come to you. And that's just not the position that you want to be in no, on any sales call. You want to call. be proactive. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So anything that you can do um, to draw people to your booth, whether it's appointments. Um, I will say I, one of the things that I think um, a good draw for your booth. So when I worked at Mettler Toledo, one of the big things we when we had our giant, giant booths, um, we one year had a coffee bar and we oh, were baking nice. like yeah. we, we rented like the famous Amos or whatever yeah. Mrs. Fields oven like cookie oven so like it you could smell the fresh baked cookies coming wow. out of our booth and people like just using all I like that though because there's there's a lot of senses like you're overwhelmed 
like usually visually and audibly at trade shows because there's a lot of noise around you and there's a lot happening in front of you. And there's nowhere to but, sit. And you, but if you smell something, that's like a scent that I like that because you're playing on a scent that it's, you know, not a lot of people are, they're trying to attract you with big signs and, you know, like displays and blah, 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 or music playing from their booth. But when you play on that sense of smell rather yeah. than sight or hearing. And then someone smells cookies and they like walk over to your booth and they're like, oh, there's a counter and like bar stool sitting here. I can like sit and have a cup of coffee or right. a cookie. And I'm like off my feet for a couple seconds. And yeah, give them know, a little reprieve and then just really and you're still hit kind them with of, the hard sell. <laughs> yeah. But even so, like, you know, there are people that come to trade shows just because their company sends them there. And I think maybe back in the early 2000s, even mid, that was kind of a thing. It was like budgets were kind of like, the wild west it was like how before many, the recession uh, yeah. yeah let's send everyone to the trade show and they're like people are just there to like collect tchotchkes and yes. like how many like stress balls can you take home <laughs> <laughs> and all the like you know just walking around picking up free pens and right. like you know if you could like stumble you have upon like the, a second empty like, suitcase your, your job is just to find the booth that sell has the tote bags first yeah so then you're like able to collect all your stuff and put it in the, in tote, the tote bag, bag. like yeah. the worst is like you're sitting in the booth and someone comes in with your competitor's brand on the tote bag <laughs> like looking for your swag and you're like no like god damn it get out of here with that <laughs> But yeah, I mean, planning and getting the right people in. You're always going to have the guys, you know, the, or the women, whoever it is, that, like, kind of walk through, and that's all they want to do is just pick up the, the shit. They don't really care what you're selling. They see a pen on the table or They're gonna grab a it, bowl yeah. of candy. They're just going to grab whatever it is. Um, we actually had one of the funny story at Metler Toledo, one of the scales that we had was a counting scale, like piece counting. So for, like, mail or okay, yeah, um, yeah. money anything really like if you're counting pieces so we had this fishbowl and it was filled with filled with colored marbles and our like Mount Toledo was like blue and green color scheme so we had blue green and white like not marbles but they were like flat marbles like oh, flat yeah, the glass little, yeah I know I've, yep, yeah I know exactly what you're talking about so we had those and it was like part of a demo it was like and we just sat there and like laughed at the people who would like walk through and like grab one and like Thinking it was candy. Thinking it was candy. It was like, first off, you're grabbing an unwrapped piece of candy out of a giant bowl. Like, it wasn't candy. It was glass. First off. So, like, why would you just think to, like, reach into a a giant bowl of unwrapped candy and put it in your mouth, knowing how many people would walk through at a trade show, sticking their fingers (laughs) into this bowl? That is ridiculous. Yeah, but that was was actually one of, like, one of my favorite. That sounds fun, yeah experiences is just like how many people are going to eat these like try to eat these glass That's like, i told you though the story where i got that ice cream there's a piece of glass yeah. in it and i told my dad i was like there's a glass in this ice cream and he's like no there's not he like for some reason i was a kid but he didn't believe me and so he takes the piece of glass and bites it instead of like playing with it in his hands or something like that he bites it and he's like oh yeah that's glass yeah so there were people eating glass at that trade show too I'm there sure. were yeah but so you know the during and part of the before is kind of Plotting that out, what's going to be your draw? Um, the place that I worked at in New Philadelphia, there was, I'm probably sure I told you this story before, but right across the aisle from us, and we had a small booth, and maybe it was a 10 by 20, it wasn't very big. We had It was like a software as, as a service company, so we really just needed a giant, you know, a flat screen TV, and that was it. Yeah. Um, to kind of display things on a computer. Uh, but across the aisle from us, there was the service that staffed 
security guards. Yeah. Oh, okay. And they had these naughty cops, as we kept referring to them as, like, they're these women that were dressed. I was going to ask you if they were, like, if, as if naughty people cops. had, like, yeah. like, Hooters girls or, like, And there whatever, were people like, coming like to get their... Women. It was, for us, it was awesome because it was right a huge line of people coming to take pictures of naughty cops. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, on the other hand, was not necessarily, like, I think I was, like... Months after I went back to work, six months after Parker was born, so I was like not feeling great about myself physically, like having like no, just come tough. out of yeah, having a baby, yeah. and then like going to a trade show, and I was like feeling frumpy, and I was standing across the aisle from naughty cops, but um, but it was like we were joking about the naughty cops the whole time, but it was like like I said for us it was great because people were standing in line to get these pictures taken with these women and like coming back like there were some people that they were like no this is like you're just gross now because this is like your yeah. third or fourth time Calm down with like the through. fucking digital camera right because it really was 2000 I don't know 11 yeah. or 12 2011 it would have been because I had Parker in 2010 and I went back to work I was like, gonna that was gonna be one of my like impromptu questions like did people use models and stuff like that yeah. to attract people to the booth I'm not surprised that they did, but yeah. I... But it wasn't... I mean, not even there. Like, even at some of the more scientific shows, there were people, like, you know, you kind of planned that like as a... Like, the naughty scientist, like... Not naughty scientists, but as a as a person who's drawing people to the booth, like, there definitely were the people that were working, like, the cookie stand and the coffee bar that were, you know, not, like, frumpy old scientists. Yeah. Um, we didn't hire them. They were people who worked for the company, but like, you, like, you staffed hey, accordingly. Yeah, you're attractive. Like, we're going to put you on the cookie stand. <laughs> yeah, you look like cookie material. Let's wear a low-cut shirt that day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's another thing is from a planning standpoint, like, you don't know how many times, like, female, I will tell you, it's come a little bit of a long way, but not that long, but, like, female branded attire still sucks. Even, like, thinking about, like, are like when we worked at TKG and we would get to pick out like you know it was like oh you know for a guy it's really easy like you got a golf shirt you've got a button down shirt like either yeah, way like yeah but like women's like trade show or branded attire is horrible <laughs> like you've got this like stiff button down shirt that's not really a female cut and yeah. it doesn't feel good and then it's like a female golf shirt which again like you just it doesn't look good with like you want to tuck your shirt in or not tuck it in. It just looks sloppy. Like yeah. it just not an attractive look. And then sometimes they've got like these sweater combo sets and like, it's just like, it doesn't matter. They just look frumpy no matter what. There's just like no great. So <laughs> whoever is out there in the industry who creates freaking trade show or like branded attire for women, get your shit together and like, look at what is actually in stores and what people are yeah, actually wearing. And then just wearing, put logos on that. And then put logos on it. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's crazy. Like, uh, that was, like, one of the worst parts of, of – there was a huge debate. There was, like, a committee, I feel like, at Mattler Toledo was to, like, change the trade show, like, the females being able to wear, like, anything more than, like, a blue Oxford button-down oh, branded God, yeah. shirt. It was, like, men's stiff Oxford shirt that just looked like shit on everybody. Shirts, yeah, they don't even look good on men. So. No, and they're uncomfortable. They're, yeah, like, they're, hard they're, and they're thick like, and you're, like – You can't move your arms. Like, dress shirts for men have come a long way. That, I used to hate them, but they, now mine are soft and, you know, I get the – yeah. The ones that are already made like that, I don't get the kind of broken one. in a little bit. Yeah, like well, they're and that's the material's a little different now. It's thinner. It's it's more breathable and stuff like that. So, yeah. as someone who works in the garment industry and deals with some of these button downs, I know, I know how they go. <laughs> yeah, you know they go. Yeah. So the naughty cops, talking about naughty cops and shirts, um, drawing people to the booth. So again, yeah, if you can have a gimmick, you got to have a gimmick. Right. So like cookies. 
um, you know, food is always a good drawing yeah, because definitely. people are on their feet all day. They're walking around. They want a, a snack. Or I like I like your idea of bar stools too. Just giving someone a place to sit down. Yeah, some of the trade show places like they kind of came a long way towards the end. It was like they would have these little like wi-fi stations because it was kind of before like <laughs> wi-fi was like all over the place and be like a cell phone show. charging station or yeah, something like we would like have that. to have like a like a hardwire like into like because the wi-fi would not be enough to support like your, everyone at the show yeah. yeah and like the product display that you're trying to do right, yeah like when i started the the one year that we started we had all these like product pictures and they were in those like clear um plastic stands like and you would like slide the this like sell sheet in oh, there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. like one of the I remember like one of the very first trade shows I did. I was like, why don't we just buy a bunch of digital picture frames? Oh yeah, yeah. Because it was and cheaper than stuff. TVs, and like you could still plug an SD card or a USB into yeah, them. Yeah, just have it play through a slideshow. Yeah, so we had those, and we just had them mounted on the corners of the thing with all the new products, like or even just the words of like what it is. Because when you're working for like a tech forward company. And you're supposed to be like the industry leader in technology. Yeah, like, you, need you to can't have, just you go need with like something. You can't have freaking plastic, hard yeah, we plastic. Yeah, we put our, our white paper and we put each page in a hard plastic yeah. uh, frame here. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so, what about after the trade shows? You know, what's the like? Was there follow up? What, what was kind of the plan for for that? Yeah. So I kind of wanted to. I can kind of roll that into. The technology as well but mm-hmm. i won't sure um, well, no that's you know this is all you so i mean the goal at any trade show obviously is to collect leads and you're collecting people's names and your sales team whether it's a small location and it's just you know you following up on those or you're sending an email um or you're giving them out by look you know geographically to your national sales team um you obviously want to follow up as quickly it's possible you want to have an email to your the person who attended the show before they even get back to their desk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that they've got, like I said, they've got that giant tote bag. Even if they did take your brochure, even if they did say, yeah, I'm in the market for X, this yeah. thing that you're selling, like they still have, like they're still traveling. They still have. Well, they have 60 other things that they're yeah, looking through. All you these know. other competitor brochures or just random other brochures, right. like all the tchotchkes that they talk home for their kids, all the stress balls, like <laughs> whatever, a keychain, you've got a carabiner, opener, yeah. carabiner radio. Yeah, that was one of the things. Mettler Toledo was a fun place for trade shows. We had a prize wheel. Mm-hmm. So it was like you got a ticket and you spun the wheel. And it was like, but I was like, I was... The one year, like, the prize wheel person. Nice. And I just remember being, like, you spin it, it was like, and you win a carabiner radio. <laughs> and it was a stupid car. It was, like, this little, like, carabiner with, like, a little AM, FM radio. Really? It was, like, like. That's goofy. If it was, like, Bluetooth, like, nowadays, it could be, like, a carabiner Bluetooth like speaker, which would be cool. Like... <laughs> yeah, like, you're not going to use that carabiner to, like, support your weight on anything. No. Hopefully. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not a true carabiner. Yeah, just attach it to your keys or something. Thing. <laughs> yeah but you know anything like i said anything that that draws like sounds and scents so like this like you think about a carnival and like the chuckaluck wheel one that's Ooh, like yeah. spinning and you can hear like the tides like yeah yeah like people are like oh there's like you would be surprised like people are like there's a fucking wheel i hear a wheel right someone is spinning a wheel in this convention center right now straight show is almost like a carnival right there's like little stands like that's a good that's a good parallel you're like i'm in downtown chicago yeah somebody's got a fucking chuck a luck wheel like this is happening 
And uh, yeah, maybe that's a good way of like, but at the same time, like as a person whose job it is to collect leads, it's like, hey, I've got to scan your badge if yeah. you want to spin the wheel. Mm-hmm. So you're collecting that person's contact information. This is, you know, maybe before the days of just randomly collecting, but they're agreeing. They're kind of opting in by letting you scan their badge yeah, at that spin point. The wheel. They get, they're getting something out of it. They get to spin a wheel. Yeah. So that's kind of the after part is obviously following up on those leads, but that kind of leads to the question about like how trade shows have changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest piece is technology. So if I go to, you know, as early as I can think of trade shows being like paper leads, like legitimate paper leads. Like fill out People your were filling out yeah. their, conf- their, per- the their name, their yeah. email address. Right. And coming back with just stacks of postcards. That you had to follow up on. Yeah. That you had to type. Like you would just give them to somebody. Like they would type them into the system. Yeah. And then, you know, they would just go, go to there. a salesperson yeah. or, or whatever. Um, to be qualified, but then, you know, then we kind of advanced into like, okay, you've got a barcode on your badge yeah. and you come into the booth, you're going to scan the and badge that and that goes into like your leads. You can actually put that directly into your lead system or it goes into a list that like sometimes the trade show will provide that after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't know how it is now, but the last trade show that I did, which was that company that I worked for in New Philly. Um, was all RFID. So if they walked mm. into your booth within a certain proximity... Oh, it just it read like yeah. and you got all their information? Yes, like your badge, had R- yeah. Yeah, so your badge had RFD, RFID in it. So when you walked into the show, they knew everywhere you went. So you're pretty much like walking through RFID. Um, and then the same thing with Ethel Reader. I think if it was like a true lead, you could take their badge and like scan it in the RFID reader and it would like bring it up. And again, yeah, so you would get people who, but if they were even more interested, there was a step further you could take them or something. Yeah, but it was nice because at that point, like we were using Salesforce and you could. Oh, and it all just it was immediately yeah. going right into your CMS, like, or C- CRM. CRM. Yeah. Not CMS. Acronyms. Oh. <laughs> all the C words that are not C-acronyms. bad C words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean that was a huge difference between from when i first started to when i ended and even um from a pr standpoint i think i've talked about this on the trade show or not just about trade shows but pr in general like when i first started doing pr the lady who was doing it had like those slides um, oh yeah like yeah, the yeah, picture yeah, yeah. the photo slides yeah. and um the printed out things but like then i was like why aren't we just giving out usbs with all of our like with our branded USBs with right. our PR kit on it, and we're like saving all this money in printing costs and folders and oh yeah, definitely. Um, so we kind of like I think that we um, progressed from those like printed things to like a DVD or a CD like of the press information plus printed stuff. Right. Then on to like uh, USBs exclusive, exclusively digital. Yeah, and now I mean I, honestly thinking about like I'm wondering like I'm curious to know how that information is transmitted like is it still a a thumb drive seems like a pretty good you know it's still rather like especially now like relatively cheap option is it like a link or something like that that's sent out or is it like a like like to a dropbox folder is it like a qr code that they scan on their phone or something like that and mm -hmm. it takes them right to this like portal that they log into like all sorts of crazy so if you are into trade shows and you're listening to this let us know because 
Chelsea's been out of the game for a little bit. I've never been in the game, so... Yeah, I'm not getting back in the game, but... <laughs> so let's see. I, I'd like to, yeah, know how... Because, you know, rentware or something or in our future lives, like, I might end up at a trade show or having to do some of this, so... Yeah, so speaking to, um, I guess, again, kind of how the changes happened, and I kind of said this before, but um, I think one of the biggest changes that that is happening now versus you know, 10 years ago or or more is that like people are really tight on their budgets. People aren't just sending their entire sales team or their entire department to trade shows. It's very, was that like like a post 2008 thing? I don't know what that, yeah, it could be post recession. It could be, I'm not sure what it is, but it's, you know, people or just, I think people are, I think people are a lot like, you know, everyone's working, doing more with less. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you're not going to send, five people to a trade show you're but if you genuinely if you see a value in it or maybe somebody's presenting a white paper at a trade show Mm -hmm. that they're also there and they're you know kind of on this fact-finding mission or you have some specific reason why you're going to this trade show Mm -hmm. um but people are truly i think one of the things that that we need to be cognizant of now with people going to trade shows is that there's probably more quality leads coming out of those. So you're not yeah. seeing as many just, you know, I'm sure Vegas, you know, you've got these giant Vegas shows still that are happening. Right. And like, even if it felt the last trade show that I ever did was in Vegas, it was still ridiculous. It was still, you know, there's like lots. Was it, where was it at? Caesars? It was at, no, it was, uh shit. The, um, Venetian. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, when I was at Caesars for that, and it was, it was just a really small industry event, and these, like, ballrooms that we walked by were huge. We were in smaller little meeting rooms, but they had these rooms, and they had, by, they had like, floors of these rooms are just huge at Caesars, and I'm like, man, like, this is crazy. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I want to say, like, the Sands maybe was connected on the backside of the Venetian. I could be wrong because I, I don't know. know Vegas. I, I don't know. But it was like you went, we stayed in the Venetian, mm-hmm. but then you went down through the casino and like back out. And then there was like this separate whole like exhibit hall. Yeah. Where we were. It was, I mean, it was. These, I mean, the hotels and casinos in Vegas are so big. And like there's, they have these rooms in them for trade shows that are like bigger than any room yeah, you've they're ever like little seen. Conve- like, they're like convention centers right. within the hotel. Right. Yeah. So like insane. that's really like if you're in Vegas, like. You're pretty much in a convention center in any hotel that you're at. Right. Uh, or any casino that you're at, especially in the Strip, at least. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. That's but any I'm of those other, sure. like, the cities that you're in, like Chicago, like, at the convention center, again, like I said, I was there a lot. New Orleans at that convention center a lot. I was in the Rally Convention Center, and that was big. Um, and then the Gaylord Resorts. Um, so there's one, there's a Gaylord, Texas. There's a Gaylord, Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore. Did I say that? Baltimore. Um, I can't remember where. There's there's a, a handful of Gaylord resorts that are huge, and they have huge convention spaces. For trade shows and stuff. Yeah, when I worked at Goodyear, that's where they would always have their sales meetings at the Gaylord, like various Gaylord uh, mm-hmm. properties across the country because it was like the setup was kind of the same. You kind of already had like the logistics parts down it was just like what city it was in changed it all kind of like oh that's cool at least like you knew like okay this is it's gonna this is gonna be here that's gonna be there so that's kind of a nice i don't know that's good gaylord they knocked it out of the park for trade shows i guess yeah but yeah so definitely i think one of the big things um of why they're still relevant for marketers and salespeople, especially for a company who's looking to earn business is that like you know if you truly go 
you're going to get people who are really interested in... Especially if you put in that time before to make sure you have that attractive booth, make sure you have the right goals in mind, the right people there and stuff like that, right? Yeah, you've got the draw, you've got your gimmick all set. You Mm -hmm. know, it doesn't have to be... We did cookies even at smaller booths. Like, still, like, you you get that drawn and and people want to come. But you know what was funny? I want to say the worst... um, The worst uh, union was the IX Center in Cleveland. Oh, really? Yeah, that was, like, the strictest... If I recall correctly, it was the strictest union show I'd ever been to. Like, you couldn't plug anything in? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you couldn't plug it in. You couldn't touch anything. You couldn't move a box. Like, you could not do anything... Like I said, that was years ago. It could have changed, but I just remember the union laws at the IX Center being, like, ridiculously stringent. Interesting. And they have, like, big shows there. They have the car show there and yeah. golf shows there and all sorts of crazy stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And the IX Indoor Amusement Park, too. So that's fun. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I didn't know when I, when I wrote that question, how and why are they still relevant to marketers and salespeople, what your answer was going to be, because... I knew like people go to trade shows to get customers or, you know, to look yeah. like you said, maybe they have other this goals in mind to buy, conferences to buy that have a trade show like, aspect. Right. And I think that's kind of like, I think one of the things that I noticed in my, in my, I don't know, whatever the word I'm trying to think of that I can't think of right now, like in my career, I guess, is that a lot of times trade shows went from being these grandiose things to like, Let's have a presence there and make sure that we're getting, like any marketing campaign, like let's sure that we're targeting the right audience. So like for you, like you're going to a trade show where you're learning, um, but at the same time, like well, that's how I, I like was Red just... Cap is going to be there. Is Red Cap there or one of the actual uniform or linen companies there during your trade show actually with a booth that says like, hey, I'm at this, there's a laundry conference going on right now for Oh like, yeah, for ga- Chris, the garment like, industry. Yeah, those our our industry orgs have those type of things all the time. But there's presentations throughout too where they learn. But then at the same time, they're mingling with suppliers. They're mingling exactly, with, like, and that's that type, yeah, and that's the best. I mean, that's really I think that's the best bang for your buck in that in that world in 2019. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. I was thinking about the marketing conference I went to down a rally. How there was all these great speakers. And some of the speakers were a little salesy, just kind of selling their company. But then you walked outside during that, and then there was a booth for MailChimp here. There's a booth for Salesforce here. There's a booth for all of these marketing, like, uh, MarTech companies, software companies out there. And, you know, that was their audience as a bunch of marketers. So if I want to do talk to MailChimp about email marketing, they were there. I want to talk to so-and-so about um, automation. They were there. Or, you know, so all of these but companies But if, like, the TRSSA there. or something, like... TRSA, yeah. TRSA, like... The PRSSA, was, which yeah. is, like, the, another was, thing. <laughs> no one of them had two S's in them. But, like, the PR, the TRSA might be a good... Oh, like, they have events all the time. And yeah. They, yeah, that's... I went to a TRSA event in Vegas. It was a sales and marketing seminar, and it was small. It was only... Like we were split off into groups, sales and marketers, and but they had people from. But from the sales side, it's like, hey, here's this new shirt that you can sell. Here's this new oil resistant. Shirt. Yeah, so the guy from Positech RFID was there. There was, you know, so you know there was people like us, and then other people who are related to the industry who mm-hmm. sell to the industry and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, yep. I definitely think my that's two, where the. My two experiences definitely reflected that, and that's that's kind of what I was thinking was our conferences now like like mozcon or 
some big marketing conference where all of these other oh, you places. Oh, you still got like Salesforce that has like, you know, You're saying, like yeah, a giant band plant, like, you know, like, I remember this was like obviously bon years ago, like had, Red Hot yeah. Chili Peppers one That's year. That's it, yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who did, what's Salesforce's conference called? I can't think of it off the top of my head. Dreamforce? Dreamforce, yeah. But yeah, like, I'm wondering... Like that's kind of the trade the trade show of the now really is these conferences where there's big big name speakers like Content Marketing World in Cleveland like Tina Fey's headlining yeah but then you also can get a booth there and sell to all the marketers who are there as well so yeah when you've got a giant like cross the world like Salesforce it's like you know there's tons of people who need like a CRM like right. it's it doesn't and they were the first to ones be... to put it in the cloud too so I mean they kind of broke through. In that that regard as well, so yeah, so yeah, no, I like that. I think they're, I think they're definitely still relevant, and I think what you mentioned of the quality being better um, makes a lot of sense to me. And with the technology being better, it's easier to collect that and then reach out to those people afterwards too. All of that, all of that, that used to be real time. Like you're giving people that real time experience, right? Which is what we expect now. And what's nice about trade shows too is a lot of times people rather than just coming to your website or something like that, they can actually see your product work. They can touch it. They can feel it. They can even maybe take a sample away depending on what you, what you do. Um, so that like, if you don't typically like Metler Toledo doesn't have a store where someone comes in and buys scales. So the trade show opportunity gives them that chance to see, okay, look at how all the marbles. Oh, look at counted all all of those. It's not just like weighing them. Right. Except for that one guy that ate the marble. Well, yeah, that guy probably needed the Heimlich, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) or dentistry at that. Yeah. (laughs) If he got it down to the Heimlich, then man, more power to him. He probably needed dentistry too. Um, yeah, no, I think they're definitely still relevant and you're right, but though that they're changing as fast as everything else is changing, but, I'm sure there's still the tried and true like cookies and bar stools or oh, hot yeah. models with uh, like I said, it, <laughs> naughty cop models. I mean, naughty cop still... was at a small. They had a small booth, but that's like they had a draw. They had their gimmick in there. But again, like you said, talking about Salesforce or MozCon or Content Marketing World, like that's still huge. Like even in Cleveland, like they're still at the convention center. There's still. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of people going they want to hear but it's again like you're offering this value add so it's like I'm here to hear I'm here to listen to these speakers in my industry um, but yeah, and, and but learning but at the same time the it's like bonus of like those maybe oh but those, maybe there's an email marketing software right, that, that like I didn't get, know about so. that my that my marketing team needs to, to have or maybe there's a new yeah, something like Content Marketing World, I think, is a little bit more, like, well-rounded, where mm-hmm. it's, like, you're there to learn, but you're also, like, able to take away these marketing tools. That... Yeah, you can, you're definitely there. Some people are definitely yeah. there to buy. Versus, like, Dreamforce, so... where you're, like, truly just there to, like, yeah. you're already a sales, you already have Salesforce. If you're going to Dreamforce, like, you're just trying to find out what add-ins or, like, like right. plugins or you're or trying to sell to somebody else who's there like because everybody yeah. uses crm so or you're just trying to see the red hot chili peppers so yeah all of that fun stuff all right is there anything you want to add on trade shows at this point i don't know cookies naughty cops and uh dentistry i don't know <laughs> i don't know anything else all right cool <laughs> well that's good we did good on time then um so <laughs> I'm Con. Uh, this is Drunk Marketing. I'm Connor. I'm Chelsea. Cheers. cheers. That was a copper cheers, that by was, the way. That was.